Lake of the Weekday, Lake of the Weekday, Lake of the Weekday, Holy Cow! Our lake this week is Marquette Lake, which is just south of Bemidji. Uh, for those of you who know where Oak Hills Christian College is, they are on the shores of Marquette Lake. Gary Barnard is the area fisheries manager. Marquette's kind of one of the, I mean, it's not like it's a real secret, but uh, I think there's still an awful lot of people who aren't aware of how good a fishery that is. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a little bit out of the way. Probably why people aren't so aware of it is it doesn't have a public boat ramp to get on it. You have to access it by boat from uh, from other lakes. So uh, it's a uh, it's a little bit more of a destination to get there. Yeah, and what's what would be the closest lake that has a public access? They, the best way to get to it is to go to Lake Irving and then uh, use that access and go across, go up the Mississippi to Carr Lake, which is a very small lake there and kind of where uh, the Mississippian schoolcraft come together and go up the schoolcraft river to get into Marquette. It's about a four-mile boat ride. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'd say I, um, I've uh, been out in that neighborhood. It's a fairly well-developed lake, a lot of houses there, Oak Hills Christian College is there, uh, but still a really great lake. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's got some really good water clarity. It's it's a pretty nice-sized lake. It's over 500 acres and 51 feet deep. Um Really, you, you mentioned it's got quite a bit of development, but it's it's still got uh, some pretty good uh, shoreline habitat and stuff. Um, you know, bulrush, nice hard bottom. Um, it's uh, good water clarity as well. A couple of different bays there, and uh, I'm assuming that they're big enough uh, passageway. I'm assuming that's a pretty similar fishery in both of those bays. Yeah, I think it's pretty similar throughout the lake there. And the lake is, you know, it's actually with the river connection here. It's uh, kind of got some of the riverine features as well as lake features. There's uh, species in there that you usually associate with the river, like, um, you know, white suckers and red horse species. And it's got some whitefish and tulipy, and uh, probably the connection with uh, with Bemidji and Plantan uh, helps feed that as well. It's got a really solid walleye population in there too. Yeah, very good. Uh, I think our well, our most recent survey is 2012, and we had 8.3 per gillnet left. Really nice, uh, nice density there. Um, probably without the connection to Plantan and Bemidji, wouldn't be quite as high. But uh, um, again, the river is is real good walleye spawning habitat uh, throughout. Um, and Bemidji is, uh, you know, mostly naturally reproduction in there, and you'll get spawning runs of females that run all the way up to Plantan, and they have to go through uh, uh, Marquette to get there. So obviously, this is one big walleye population that kind of roams between the, the lakes there. Also, you got uh, you got crappies, bluegills, uh, some green sunfish, even bass, northerns, all the usual suspects. Yeah, all of them. Uh, all of them are present there, and some some pretty good uh, quality um, bluegill. Bluegill were sampled about uh, four and a half per trap net. That's not extremely high density, but uh, real good quality, up to ten inches, and uh, good crappie fishery there as well. Um, we sampled pike at about eleven per gill net. That's a little on the high side, but uh, that's probably some of the stream influence too. That there's some good spawning habitat up in there for pike as well in the connections yeah i've heard stories of great uh, crappie fishing in there uh had to hear it secondhand of course nobody's going to tell you that but uh the, the truth the tr- fact of the matter is yeah there's crappie in there 
Yeah, it's uh, and they're kind of cyclic. I, we didn't sample them real abundantly in 2012, but we know that they they cycle through, and it has some very good crappie fishing. It's got the nice crappie habitat with the good sharp drop offs from the shoreline and that uh, good uh, bulrush for spawning in the in the shallows. So it's it's got what it takes. Uh, again, the water clarity um, and the good vegetation there. And of course, one of the questions I've I've ended up asking more and more each year is, you know, uh, any AIS con- concerns in this lake? Well, uh, there's always concerns, but uh, it's so far the the Bemidji in this upper chain has has been clean. There hasn't been any in, invasive species, and uh, we're sure hoping it stays that way for a while. Um, Bemidji kind of kind of scares you. It's kind of uh, you know right at the top there, where it gets a whole lot of boat traffic and stuff from a, a lot of places, but. Uh, Maybe people are paying attention and uh, and uh, not transporting that stuff around. Well, let's hope so. And again, if you want to check out Marquette Lake, uh, the best way is to get on the uh, uh, Lake Irving Public Access and and take it down uh, or take it through Car Lake and into Marquette. Correct. Yep, you're going upstream that way, and that, yep, that's the way to get there with a motorboat. Uh, there are some that'll put in up at Plantan if with canoes and just canoe the route down. You can um, canoe down the schoolcraft and. Uh, fish a little bit in Marquette and car on the way down and, and pull out in uh, Irving or Bemidji. And Gary, before we wrap it up, got to ask you about the muskie in there. I saw, the, I saw the muskies listed in Lake Marquette. It's situated right between two of the better muskie lakes that we have with uh, Lake Plantagenet up above and Bemidji below. And those fish move out throughout the chain too. Uh, we, we do hear reports of people going up and fishing in Marquette for muskies, and we did sample a 56-inch muskie in Marquette in that uh, lake survey in 2012, uh, a real bruiser. All right, it's Marquette Lake. It is our Lake of the Week. Gary Barnard, the Area Fisheries Manager out of the Bemidji office with the details. Gary, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. Okay, thanks a lot, Kevin. Well, once we start fishing Paul Bunyan Country, 99% of the time we are talking fishing, but every now and then we do a Paul Bunyan Country Outdoor Special. Today is one of those days. We're going to hear from the new naturalist at Lake Bemidji State Park and the park manager as well. That's coming up next. This is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, exclusively on the Bun 2.0, KBUN-FM 104.5. Well, today on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, we have Pete Harrison and Larissa Harris with us. Pete, of course, the park manager from Lake Bemidji State Park. We've had him on a number of times. Larissa is the new park naturalist at not only Lake Bemidji State Park, but Big Bog. And uh, welcome to you both. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Kev. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit uh, with you, Pete. Uh, Tell us what you know about your new naturalist and and what appealed to you guys when you chose her. Yeah, well, we went through actually a pretty extensive uh, interview process with our naturalist candidates, and uh, we had a, a great group, very experienced group, a lot of different varied backgrounds uh, people were bringing to the table, so that was very exciting. Um, you know, we went through a couple rounds of interviews just because the, it was so competitive and we had such a great pool of candidates. Uh, but Larissa inter- inter- interested us for a couple of reasons. She's you know, done things the right way. She's been an intern with State Parks and Trails as a naturalist intern. Um, she's worked at a few different parks in a few different um, roles. So, you know, she worked her way up the ladder properly, like like what we'd like to see from people as they um, get their career settled in, in Parks and Trails. So 
Um, that was very interesting. And then she's also got a, a background in anthropology or, yeah, anthropology mm-hmm. and archaeology. So um, that that brought a whole different um, set of tools to the table, which interested us as well. Well, Larissa, um, what was it about Parks and Trails and that uh, type of, uh, I guess we'll say business, for lack of a better term, that, that appealed to you? Well, you know, when I think back to being a kid and what I remember most from being a kid, I have these really fond memories of camping trips. And I remember as a kid, you know, not just the parks we went to and the tents that we stayed in and the things that we did in the campgrounds, but I remember naturalist programs as a kid. I didn't realize then that you could do that for a living. Um, it wasn't until I was in college when I met the naturalist at the Mille Lacs Cathio State Park that I really thought, wow, this could be a career and this is something I really enjoy. Um, when I was in college, I wanted to do something totally different with my career in archaeology. And what I discovered was that what I wanted to do was too much behind the scenes And instead, I wanted to take on that role of taking the things that archaeologists found and sharing that history. And I found that I could do that through naturalist interpretation. Uh, So I did get to meet uh, Larissa last week and hear from her last week. So I'm I'm kind of in the in the know on a few things. So uh, I do know you had a long and winding road to Bemidji. Tell us how you made it here. Um, So. I actually grew up south of the Fargo-Moorhead area, totally different environment than what we have up here. Um, I went to school down in Moorhead at Minnesota State University. Um, From there, when I graduated, I had my first naturalist internship at Mille Lacs Cathio. And that was made possible because I participated in a program in college, um, the American Indian Museum Fellowship Program for Native students who were interested in museum studies. That's where I met Jim Cummings from Cathio and got that connection. Um, from there, I worked at the Mille Lacs Indian Museum and Trading Post. Uh, then I went on to work at Itasca State Park. Then I went to graduate school in Manitoba. And the last two summers, I've actually been working um, as a tour guide at the Sudan Underground Mine way up north by Ely. I've been there. That is a very cool tour. It is very cool. I don't think I'd want to be there 12 hours a day uh, mining, but uh, no. but taking a tour is really, really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I, I mean, even before that, I, I think if I recall, um, the, the trail to Minnesota also is a long ways away. Yeah. Um, both of my parents were in the military. Um, they actually met when they were stationed in Stuttgart, Germany, married in Denmark, you know, that whole story. And um, as a kid, we moved around a lot while my dad was still in the military. And we didn't actually settle in Minnesota until I was about um, four or five years old, somewhere around there. And most of it had to do um, kind of with the environment of Minnesota, the climate specifically, because um, my mom living on the bases had been helping rescue abandoned Siberian Huskies, uh, which don't live very well in the South. And we had been in places like Tennessee and Kentucky and North Carolina. Um, and so when my dad got out of the military and they were looking at where they wanted to settle down, they, they chose Minnesota because we had the Huskies and they wanted a good climate for them. <laughs> so, so that's how we got up here. Okay. Well, what, what are the goal? What is your goals here? What are, what are some of the things you want to accomplish? Well, I have uh, a lot of things that I want to accomplish. I'm kind of going to hit the ground running. Um, 
you know, John Filpa was the naturalist here for a very long time, and he really established a good relationship with the community with a lot of programming that people are very familiar with. And I hope to continue doing a lot of that stuff, like the pontoon tours and the bog walks, um, things that people of Bemidji think of when they think of this park. Um, but I also want to bring in some new stuff, you know, especially with my background in archaeology. There's a lot of interpretation that we can do um, about the archaeology of the area, of the park. Um, and, and part of why I applied for this position, why it appealed to me more than, say, other naturalist positions in the past, is the fact that we're trying to have a better working relationship with our local Ojibwe communities. And so um, coming to the table with local people from the three reservations around us to interpret their history, to talk about their culture, their language, um, and bring that into the programming so that it's it's part of, I mean, it's part of the community. And so it should be part of what we do in the park every day um, to get more of the people from the reservation into the park, but also more of our visitors and our community members familiar with that history as well. So for me, that's going to be kind of a, a big thing that I'm going to be doing is bringing in more of that kind of cultural programming. Okay. Um, we're still going to have lots of the naturalist cultural or naturalist programming, excuse me, trees, birds, bugs, whatever, um, but also a lot of that cultural stuff too. So kind of a good mix of stuff. Okay. Pete, question for you. Um, what is the mission of the state parks service? Is there a mission statement? or You know, there is. It's, it's just to, to spread – um, the knowledge and the excitement and the interest of the outdoors to our visitors, uh, especially when it comes to recruitment of our underrepresented communities, people that haven't experienced that for most of their life, and to get the youth engaged in it as well. Okay. If you were to describe Lake Bemidji State Park to somebody who's never been there before, how would you, how would you sell it? Um, well, I think it's it's got kind of the best of both worlds because it because it is a kind of a natural preserve um, out there. It's got the bog community, you know, right on Lake Bemidji. Uh, we've got a lot of natural um, interests in the park, um, but we're also not too far from town, so people have that um, accessibility of, especially with Bemidji being such a big tourist town of taking into the culture and the arts community and everything that Bemidji has to offer. And it makes it easy for them because if they're coming out to camp for a week and a half or whatever, they forget something. It's not that long of a drive to get into town and pick it up um, with all the um, you know stores and stuff that we have available in Bemidji. Okay. How many people visit the park a year? Oh, geez. Put me on the spot. <laughs> Um, I can't really say for sure. I want to say like 150,000, somewhere okay. in that neighborhood. Um, and it's, it's always kind of growing a little bit. I've noticed over the last few years that, you know, it's not exponentially growing, but we're getting a few more folks in, in through the door pretty much every year. And so it's growing somewhat. Do you have any idea how many of them are, you know, right from right around this area? How many of them are from Minnesota? How many of them from out state? Do we have any breakdowns on that? I couldn't tell you percentage-wise. I know I know we do get a varied percentage of different visitors coming from different areas. Uh, we get a lot of Canadians that come down to Bemidji, um, and we get a lot of 
travel from um, folks from outside the state as, as well as international visitors as well. You know, Itasca is not that far away, and, and the Headwaters is a, a big attraction for a lot of people from around the world, and we do get a, lot, a little bit of overflow from those folks as well. We're in the midst of a Paul Bunyan Country Outdoor Special on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country today as we take a look at what's going on at Lake Bemidji State Park with the new naturalist, Larissa Harris, and park manager, Pete Harrison. Well, Larissa, you're not only going to be in charge of Lake Bemidji State Park as far as naturalist goes, but also Big Bog. Um, and, of course, we have a bog here at Lake Bemidji as well. So tell us about bogs and why they're so cool. Oh, bogs are so awesome. They're these very unique little ecosystems where so much is going on. You have very unique plant life in there that you don't see outside of that ecosystem. Um, you have very unique different insects and, and animals that live in the area. And, you know, there's there's not a lot of bogs. They're kind of specific to regions. Um and you can't just go anywhere and find one, which I think is why it's so unique that I get to work in two places that have a bog. Um, bogs have always been really interesting to me because, you know, they're kind of creepy. Um, I, I mean, as an archaeologist, we talk about bog bodies, <laughs> 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 which is not going to be anything that we're going to talk about necessarily for programming. But it's always been a source of interest for me. So now to be working with the bogs um, you know, one of my favorite trees is the tamarack, which you find in the bog ecosystem. Um, I love, you know, the change of the colors and stuff, and the tamarack has always been my favorite because of how brightly it changes. And um, what's really interesting to me is, you know, there's there's a scientific reason why that happens, but there's also a cultural explanation for that if you go back into the Ojibwe history and look at their stories and stuff. And that's the kind of interpretation that I want to bring out is – both of those stories because they're both relevant. Um, so I'm really excited to work with the bog communities. You know, you get different flowers in there, different plants like the Labrador tea. Um, I'm excited to work with kids with bugs because bugs can be kind of freaky. I'm not a big fan of them myself, but I think it's cool to learn about the different role that they play in the ecosystems. Um, so to be working with two different bogs and have that opportunity to look at those specific kinds of bugs compared to what you find in, you know, like a prairie or a hardwood forest or something like that, really exciting. Okay. A lot of people don't know, Pete, um, how, how parks are funded, but I think the vast majority is from the, the fees we pay to get into the parks, correct? In a roundabout way, yeah. We, we get most of our appropriations through the general fund. Um, so what happens is the fees that are paid – um, go into the general fund, and the, de- the general fund actually funds a lot of different things with state government, um, and we see a percentage of that. So um, the money doesn't go directly back to parks and trails. It goes in, into, I guess, what, what we'd call a, like a coffer fund, and then that's used in, for a lot of different things that, that are done in, with state government. Now, what are the fees to get into the state park? Well, the fees just went up last July 1st, so it's $7 for a daily permit or 35 for an annual permit, which um, we know a lot of our visitors said it really isn't a big deal, you know, that little extra money um, is, isn't going to sway them from going to parks or, or not going to state parks. So um, we know that our visitors are, are very happy to pay that slight increase, and it's something that we, have, we hadn't seen for a while, so it was, it was, it was overdue, really, to... To make that happen. 
Well, I mean, you think about it, $35, and that right. gets you to any state park in Minnesota. You go six times, and that sixth one is free, and any time after that is basically free. Exactly, yeah. So, so this is a pretty good deal. Yeah. Okay. Well, Pete, uh, I know one of the other things that's happened at Lake uh, Bemidji State Park the last few years, they put some cabins in uh, that people can reserve, and apparently they've gone off. They're very popular. Oh, yeah. The camper cabins have always been very popular since um, they were first conceived back several years ago and and installed at some of the um, the larger parks out there. And then we try to implement them um, to different parks, you know, year by year, try to expand the availability of those throughout the state. And they've they've really been popular everywhere they're at. Okay. Um, I know that you have a lot of things that happen throughout the course of the summer. How do people stay caught up with what you might have going on at the park at any given time? I always check out the website, um, the dnr.gov website, and uh, find your way to Lake Bemidji State Park. Otherwise, we'll have a lot of our all of our programming and stuff posted locally. Uh, we try to spread the word as much as we can. Um, but if you have any questions, just give a call to the park or check the website. Okay. Larissa, you're in day two as we talk. <laughs> yep. Um, what, what's going to be your, your first order of business? Um, first thing I'll be doing tomorrow is participating in the Envirothon at the park. Um, so we've got lots of area uh, students coming into the park talking about all different kinds of things, uh, wildlife, forestry, soils, things like that. Um, so I am going to just kind of jump right off into the deep end tomorrow with programming. Um, and then I, I get a little bit of a break to do some spring training and order myself a uniform and stuff like that. So more of the office work and preparation. But looking ahead, um, the end of May is already pretty busy with school groups coming in. And uh, it's going to be a busy month because uh, I am still actually teaching up in Cook, Minnesota as well. So oh, wow. I go up there on my days off and I come back down here. So kind of back and forth right now, but lots of stuff going on. <laughs> Northwoods High School? Correct, Northwoods okay. High School. <laughs> All right. Um, Larissa, just one other thing. When people meet you and see you, they're going to say, I've seen her somewhere before. Yeah. <laughs> Where have they seen you before, Larissa? Um, if you recognize me, it's probably from uh, Bemidji State University Hockey, where I sang the national anthem for a few years. Uh, so I joked around about this being the first time I've intentionally been on the radio because I didn't know that they were live broadcast. <laughs> so uh, you've you've maybe seen me um, back when they used to air on Lakeland Public Television, or if you've been to the games, or if you've been listening in on the radio, that would be me. How did you get involved in that? And- um, you know, when I was in high school, I was actually pretty active in my choir, um, jazz choir, regular choir, solo ensemble competitions and stuff. Um, and uh, when I was in college, I was in our, our college choir for a while. And when we moved up to Bemidji, because my family's only actually lived here for, um, boy, this fall, it'll be four years now, um, I saw auditions for Bemidji State and I was like well I mean I love hockey I love singing if I could put the two together that would be pretty awesome and so I went and I auditioned and it was really funny because um, I was there as kind of an outsider there's lots of Bemidji State uh, vocal performance students who attend and I heard a lot of them saying oh you know if you if you don't have professional training you really don't 
have a chance here. And then <laughs> when I got the first call to perform, I was like, oh, I guess I do have a chance. <laughs> so um, at the time, I had a pretty wide open schedule. So they could call me last minute and I could come in on like a Friday afternoon unexpectedly. Or um, if somebody said, oh, I'm sick and I can't sing, they knew they could call me up. So I did quite a few um, quite a few games. Uh, probably one of the more interesting ones that I've ever gotten to sing at was while I was attending the University of Manitoba, we did a non-conference game against them. And uh, so I was out there singing, and I had my BSU jersey on, but underneath I had a Manitoba t-shirt on because I had to kind of support both. <laughs> um, and I got the opportunity to sing a couple of times for um, their Native Nations night that they have, which was always really good for me. So I've got a great marketing plan. <laughs> The singing archaeologist. Uh-huh. Well, so when I worked in Itasca, I was known as the singing naturalist. Well, there you go. <laughs> hey. I like it. Which I don't think I brought up at my interview, yeah. but <laughs> you need to just uh, you know come up with some tunes. You know, mm-hmm. It'd be kind of like a schoolhouse rock, yep. right? Yeah. So yeah, we got a bonus with her. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, Larissa Harris is the new park naturalist at Lake Bemidji State Park and Big Bog, and Pete Harrison, the park manager at Lake Bemidji State Park. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. I just want to make sure and spread the word about. Uh, the availability that we're going to have there at the park starting um, yesterday. And um, Larissa is a year-round naturalist, just like John used to be. But uh, we know it was kind of tough with folks last year. We actually saw it in our visitation. It was down a little bit without the naturalist at the park. So um, this is kind of a new start for us. And Larissa brings a lot of talent and um, um, experience and different things to the table here. So um, as she said, you know, we want to outreach to the Native American communities a little bit more and uh, see what we can do with them to help teach their culture mm-hmm. and, and history and, and spread the word a little bit more. So we just want to let people know about that. All right. Pete, Larissa, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Tomorrow we stick with the general outdoor theme as we talk to one of the worldwide finalists for the Extreme Huntress competition. She's from right here in Bemidji. And we will get you a weekend fishing preview as well. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for joining us.